Yes, yes, yes. That's the sound of another podcast, peeps. How's it going? What you doing? And let's go ahead and bring in the bass. Here it goes. Oh, so good, peeps. How's it going? What's happening? How you been? You all right? What you doing? That's right, peeps. My name is Kenny Molotov. I am a plumbing YouTuber, professional magician. I do a little bit of music. All the links will be down in the description below. You can find all my stuff down there. And I also do this weekly podcast called Chronicles of a Plumber. Now, let's just jump into the web just a little bit so that I can show you what the heck's going on. This is if you're watching... uh, If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see the links here. If you're just listening, I'm going to read out where you can find my podcast. But that's a little bit weird because you technically have already found my podcast. But nonetheless, let's say somebody stumbles across this and wants a better medium for themselves. This is where you can find the podcast. Uh, Let me list it out. If you go to anchor.fm forward slash Kenny hyphen Molotov. You're going to find me there on Anchor. That's how I distribute this podcast right here. The different platforms that Anchor distributes it to is Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, Stitcher. Those are the ones you can look up. Look up Kenny Molotov. I don't think it has the title Chronicles of a Plumber under there. Just look me up there. You'll be able to find those. You'll be able to download this onto your phone or whatever you use, and you can go to work and listen to this on the way to work and whatnot. But thanks for being here, peeps. What's been happening? Today, by the way, it's Sunday. November 18th, 2018. Yesterday was my wife's and I 13. Uh, that's eight, but 13 year anniversary. Woo! 13 years. You gotta be serious at that point, right, peeps? 13 years. We've only been married for two. I know, I know. You gotta be sure. You gotta be sure in this life, peeps. I'm just kidding. I knew she was the one a long time ago, but I didn't have money for a while. You know what I'm saying? I only became a plumber about five years ago. That's when stuff started being put into motion. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, we celebrated our 13-year anniversary yesterday. Normally, Charity and I are a red lobster kind of couple. You know what I'm saying? Special occasions. We're like, yo, let's grab us some seafood. And we usually get the same exact thing. We should go to Red Lobster. We get ourselves that lobster pizza that they got as an appetizer. Because for some reason, I had this thing one time and I hated it. And then for some reason after that, I came back and I ordered it again. And it was the most amazing pizza I ever had. I'm blaming that first time on the chef because I don't know what happened. We get that. Then we share a big meal instead of get one each like animals because one meal will be enough. And we usually get a make your own meal sort of thing. We grab a little steak. We get um, pasta with shrimp, which is a, a big fan of my wife. My, my wife's a big fan of, I should say. And then we also get some garlic shrimp on the side. You know what I'm saying? Not too bad. But we didn't do that yesterday. We opted for something new. We went to Red Lobster. Oh, I mean, we went to Mandarin. Mandarin, peeps, Mandarin. Um, My wife's not a huge fan of Mandarin. I got to be honest. We haven't gone to it in a while. The last time we went to Mandarin was for my mom's birthday, I think. But uh, we ended up going to Mandarin and stuffing our faces. You know, 
A lot of people, when they go to Mandarin and all-you-can-eat places, they feel bad because if you don't, you're spending 30 bucks, right? So if you don't get like at least six dishes in, you're going to feel bad. I'm the complete opposite, but I, I, like I'll eat three dishes, but then everybody else will yell at me, and then I'll have to eat more. So uh, we ate a lot. We ate a lot, but it was good. We were happy. And then the rest of the day, I worked on music. Peeps, it was a lazy weekend for me in the sense that normally I got stuff to do around the house. I didn't do much around the house. All I did was work on the computer. I've been trying to come out with a bunch of songs lately. And instead of fully finishing this one song that's really in the last stages, I ended up making another song. Oh, the creative process is painful, man. Sometimes it just takes you over and you're like, man, I can't I can't let this idea go. I got to make sure I keep giving it because when the given's good, it's good. You got to just, you know, you got to just release that that demon of idea. And then uh, before I know it, like I'm like 18 hours into a song. I literally worked on music all day yesterday. Now, I'm a little bit behind with the YouTube game because I got to do this and then I got to do a vlog. But while we're talking about it, let's pop over to the Kenny Molotov YouTube channel, which hit 2,000 subscribers about two weeks ago. We're sitting at 2043. 2,043 subscribers, and as you'll know, I shamefully didn't upload a single vlog last week. I know, peeps. I know what kind of disgraceful plumbing YouTuber doesn't put a vlog up on YouTube for one week. I know, that was me. I did put up a, a Chronicles of a Plumber last week. I did do the vlog, I mean the um, podcast, but I was super busy, and then we just sort of... You know, when you don't expect it, it just got super busy. I'll tell you the reason why I didn't put up a vlog last week. Saturday and Sunday are my big vlogging days. They're my big editing days. So usually on a Saturday, um, if I'm working, I'm going to crank it out on the Sunday. If I have the Sunday to myself, I crank out all the videos for the week. However, last week, Sunday, was the final day at the coffee shop. So as you guys already know, if you're following the podcast, uh, we've been doing this coffee shop. And by the way, the vlogs for the coffee shop are coming up. That's that's what's on the list, basically. So uh, we were in the final stages. They needed to open up last week, Wednesday. So last week, Sunday, Dad and I opted to go into the coffee shop. Now, here's the thing. It's not a big square footage. And here's the issue. On Friday when we had got there, I got there on my own and like we're in the final phase. Like I said, all the rough-ins are done. We are literally putting in the fixtures. There were three electricians there plus me plus the two uh, general contractors that work there every day. Six people and it's not enough space for six people. And the big issue was, was that when we got in there, there wasn't a lot for us to do because... Everybody was in our way, basically. Everybody's using the ladders we need, etc. So we were like kind of struggling to get our hands into the game on Friday. So what we ended up doing is coordinating with the electrician. We said, okay, so are you guys coming in tomorrow? He goes, yeah, I'm coming in and we're bringing four guys, not three guys, four, plus the two general contractors that are there, there all the time. So dad and I looked at each other like, eh, Saturday ain't happening. You know what I'm saying? Saturday just ain't happening. So... We decided, okay, you guys come in Saturday. 
we're going to come in Sunday. So we basically told the electrician, if he's cool with that, don't bring anybody in on Sunday, please, because we need to get our stuff done. And then uh, we won't come in on Saturday. We won't even get in your way. It's not worth it because literally we're crawling on each other. You know what I'm saying, people? So that's what we did. But instead of me doing YouTube, on, well, actually, I did do YouTube on Saturday. I did my podcast, but I didn't have enough time to edit the vlog. And I was thinking maybe Monday, maybe Tuesday. No. What I ended up doing Monday was the, or what I ended up doing Saturday was the podcast, and then I had to do stuff around the house. Man, adulting sucks. I know. I know. And then come Sunday, Dad and I left there at like 8 p.m. or some crap like that. So it was super busy. Um, I got some stuff to show you about that. I'm going to be showing you a grease interceptor was a little bit of a nightmare. So we're going to show you that. And then Monday, Tuesday, we got busy at work. So I didn't have a lot of time to come home and edit a vlog. Please forgive me. I got to get one out. I know, and I'm going to. But that's my little spiel about what happened last week. Let's jump into Instagram. Guys, the whole podcast is based around Instagram. So if you don't have me on Instagram and you do have Instagram, Molotov underscore plumbing. If you don't have me on Facebook, Kenny Molotov. Okay, and on YouTube, Kenny Molotov and Chronicles of a Plumber. Go down in the description. You'll be able to see everything there, okay? The reason why I use Instagram is because I upload every day to show you guys what the hell's going on in my life, what I'm doing for work so that I can get into the studio at the end of the week. I could talk to you about the intricacies of these things and what's going on and how I installed them, the things I ran into so you can learn from me so we could just talk, so just chat. You know what I'm saying? By the way, this level of energy that I'm providing to you right now is coming from a good old tea. You know what I'm saying? I have some red rose tea in me. I'm not amped up like this all day. I hope you know that. I'm pretty chill, but at the same time, I'm excited to talk to you. So I'm a little bit excited. So let's pop in. Because I didn't do any uh, vlogs last week, I don't have a video to show you, but I got this video right here that I want to show you. Let's go. I don't know if I showed this to you last week, to be honest. We're just going to go through it anyways, all right? What you're looking at here is a call that I got last week. And if you look on the bottom left here, you'll see water running. Uh, no, I didn't get this last week. I got this a couple of weeks ago. Take a look. See the water running? So this might make no sense to you, but here's what I wanted to let you know. A couple of weeks back, my dad's in Montreal. I'm pretty sure I told you. And we got a call at like 7 o'clock on Saturday night, which basically was that something was leaking. And I just wanted to show you what exactly was leaking here. I'm going to go through it quickly because we talked about this last week, all right? What you're seeing here is like after t an hour and a half of me trying to open up holes in people's units, okay? This is an MJ coupling that's broke. It's broken. You see this? This is a Y right here, okay? This is an MJY. Uh, sorry, it is a steel black cast iron Y, and you got MJ couplings on the left and the right. But actually, on the right, you have a threaded piece into, I think this is inch and a half copper, and above here, you have an MIP, which is inch and a half copper as well. So what's happening here is, is this Y right here is distributing to the right for the vent, and then above... Uh, with this MJ coupling right here, it goes up to the drain above, to the floor above, and it actually reduces to 2-inch up there rather than this 3-inch uh, Y. So, if you look at that MJ at the top there, that MJ is broke. It's broken. 
It's seen better days. Its life expectancy is over. It treated the building well. Now it's not doing anything for anybody. So that leak you're seeing over here is people water, uh, letting out water above. They're washing their sinks. Or, sorry, they're washing their dishes in the sink in the kitchen stack. And it's running down into the units below. So you're seeing it on, uh, it was 1108 all the way down to like 908. So this is me finally finding it, opening it up, having to remove this MJ and this MIP, and then putting it new like this. Look how pretty that is. So what we ended up doing was cutting it above, above the MIP here. We ended up uh, removing this MJ coupling right here, putting a brand new one, and we had to add a brand new three inch MJ, and we had to add a brand new two inch MJ, and that's what you're seeing right here. Took me a couple hours to get this done because it took a little while just to find the issue altogether. So, let me show you something I keep running into because I ain't a happy camper about this. All right. Every single time I manage to pull up a toilet, I seem to have this bad luck where I finally always bump into these darn flanges that are way too deep. Did I show this to you guys last week? I think I did. I think I showed this to you. Oh my gosh, guys, I know I'm behind. I know I'm behind. I got to get to the new stuff. Let's get to the new stuff. Okay, okay. We're deal dealing with just shop stuff. Just shop. Okay, so that was a flange, by the way, and this flange... Uh, it needed like a ton of repair kits. Now I remember we definitely showed that to you last week. Here's what I'm going to show you this week. This was done seven days ago. Did I show this to you? Oh my gosh. I think I did show this to you. <sighs> All right. All right. It's going to be a short. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my bad. I'm, I, I got my footing now. I know exactly where I got to start this. This came after last week's podcast 100%. What you are looking at here, peeps, is a very special device called a vacuum breaker. Or is it a bleeder? Nonetheless, regardless of what it's called, this is a backflow prevention unit. So inside the coffee shop, what they have is a couple of fixtures. They have... A double compartment sink. To the right of that, they're going to have a laundry tub. To the left of that, they have a glass washer, which is a smaller version of a dishwasher. It's intended just for cups, basically. So the code requires that every single device, like a glass washer, like an ice maker, like a uh, even fridges, even fridges, require to have a backflow preventer installed inside of it because what they've noticed is is that contaminated waters can get back into those uh, devices if the right variables sort of take place. So what you're looking up here is a device that takes in a supply line and what you see this ab above, this thing above is essentially... I'm pretty sure it's called a vacuum breaker. And essentially what happens is, is that it allows for a certain direction of flow. But when the flow goes in the opposite direction, this vacuum breaker above opens so that water 
starts spilling out the top rather than going into the hose back into the machine, which is the wrong way it's supposed to be going, right? Sometimes you can siphon water back into pipes without knowing it. So what I was doing here was essentially installing this because I needed to make sure that there was one for this glass washer like I'm telling you. So here's what you got to know though. I have this vacuum breaker here, which is copper, obviously. Sorry, this is brass. And in order to connect to this thing, I have to put some sort of copper device, plus it requires its own shutoff. But I'm running PEX. That's the only issue. So I wanted to show you guys the transition I had to do from PEX to copper. So take a look. Here's what I ended up doing, okay? So I have PEX coming out of the wall. I put in one of those brass 90s that you can crimp onto PEX. And I put this short little nipple. That's what we call them in the plumbing field. And then I put this short little nipple. And here's what you're looking at. You're looking at a short little nipple of copper connected to a brass piece, which is a transitional piece between PEX and copper, okay? You gotta solder that bad boy onto that, and then you gotta solder a 90 all the way up to a ball valve, and then finally bring up another piece of pipe and then connect your uh, vacuum breaker on top of that, right? And then you gotta crimp, crimp, crimp. This was a tight spot against the wall, which is difficult to crimp. Get that all done, you gotta support it correctly, you gotta make sure it looks nice and purdy and that it's straight, and you're good to go. Takes a little while to do this though. It's not the fastest job in the world, but it's also not the slowest job in the world. So it probably took me about half an hour to get this done well. You know what I'm saying? And that, that includes soldering. That includes putting up these two mounts here. So what you're seeing here is a tiled wall. But the tiled wall has no support behind it, right? A lot of times you're going to meet a tile wall and there's only drywall behind it and there's no stud behind that. Um, there are only studs in certain areas and you're going to have to put a piece of wood there. So what you have to do is you got to drill a couple of holes and you got to have plugs. Plugs are essentially a device that go into a hole and that when you put a screw into the plug, it opens up the plug and it essentially uh, solidifies the hole that the plug has inside the hole. I said hold that the plug has inside the hole. I know that it sounded like I said hole twice, but that's what you have to do. You have to drill these holes, you gotta put these plugs, then you gotta put whatever device you're putting on top of that, which is what you're mounting. In this case, it's wood. Then you gotta drill holes in the wood to make sure that it aligns with the plug, and then you gotta screw the, the hole, screw the, the screw <laughs> into the holes, and make sure that it goes into the plugs, and then it holds it right there. And that's basically what you had to do. Then you have to do a little bit of solder and crimp that bad boy, and we're talking about having a fully functional vacuum breaker or backflow preventer. That is number one, my friends. That is number one. Let me show you the most difficult thing of the day. I don't know what Budweiser Poppy was saying. He said video question mark. Maybe he was asking about my YouTube video this week. I don't know. So here's what I want to show you, okay? What you're looking at here is what the double compartment sink looks like underneath it, okay? Now, you see these two things right here? These are basket strainers, and you need these specialized basket strainers for this sink itself. You can't take any sort of kitchen sink basket strainer and put it inside this thing because these are way smaller. They're actually called a commercial basket strainer. So when you go up to a um, supplier, automatically ask for these guys because they're tiny little things. They look like this. They are by far 
my friends, by far the most irritating fixture, uh, irritating part, I should say, to install. And the reason why I say that is because they're uber difficult to crank tight. And they're uber difficult to crank tight, I found out, when you're using putty rather than the rubber that they're providing. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. My dad's old school. And I'm under my father's wing. You know what I'm saying? And dad doesn't like using rubber underneath anything. For the most part, he likes putting putty. Plumber's putty onto basket strainers. That's what the man likes, right? So that's what he expects of me. So when my dad's around, I got to do it. I got to do it. But here's the thing. We ran into a couple issues with these um, basket strainers. The same basket strainer was causing issues. It was leaking. We took this one out. We put the new one in. It also leaked. So my dad says, screw it, take out the putty, put in this rubber. And let me tell you, peeps, the rubber that the basket strainer provides is way better, way better, way healthier to use than the putty. And the reason why that is, is because when you're tightening against this rubber, it actually stops the entire unit from spinning. Normally, these stupid basket strainers spin infinitely if you don't have any sort of backup, which is the hardest part about it. Sometimes you're going to have to even borrow somebody. Just, just say, hey, look, I know we're working in a restaurant. I know you're cooking up a meal. If you want to sink, you got to come with me, man. Forget the meal for a minute. You bring them over, you give them some sort of pronged or forked thing to put inside this basket strainer, and you crank that bad boy tight. With the rubber inside, it was way easier because it was tightening way faster than with the putty. So I want to tell you guys something that you can't tell my dad from now on. If he's not around, I'm just using the rubbers that they're providing. Forget about it. I ain't doing nothing else because they work better than the putty. Don't tell dad I said that. Let's keep moving on. So you're looking at two basket strainers, and this little thing on the left side is a three-inch inlet. It's a three-inch drain, I should say, because the grease interceptor that we bought is 30 BPM, which is a measurement of the amount of water and grease it can hold, I assume. And it has a three-inch inlet, three-inch outlet. And let me tell you guys, I roughed this in pretty good, but it was still a disaster to get done, which is why I wrote above, I genuinely love and hate this fixture. It is the most frustrating to get connected and yet the most satisfying to finish. That is the most accurate description I can give about grease interceptors. It is the most frustrating to get connected because you are constantly working under the sink, okay? It's a very tight space. And even when you rough it in almost perfect, it, if you didn't rough it in, exactly perfect it's going to be tough and uh that's because the angles of certain pipes it's usually the vent pipes that are the hardest to get in but satisfying to finish when it's finally done you look at it and you go god damn this was like all five years of my apprenticeship put into one job just to get this done let me show you what's going on here so these are the two basket strainers i was talking to you guys about and they both have tail pieces here. That's the difference between them now. Now, here's the issue I'm dealing with, okay? Let me go back. I want to show you guys what it looked like when it was roughed in. And it was right here. It, uh, we talked about it last week. But here's what it is, okay? So you got your three-inch right here, which comes up to a vent. And then to the right, you're going to see three vents, okay? You're going to see two of them for the interceptor. This one is for... 
after the trap. This one is for the inlet of the interceptor. And this fixture right here is for the laundry tub that uh, we're not talking about right now, but it has its own separate trap as well, okay? This is what you're looking at behind the wall, okay? Now there's a wall there, okay? Let's get back to this. Get you guys up to date, all right? So here's the thing. I was intending to run this bad boy right here really far with a running trap. A running trap is a trap that essentially your outlet doesn't go directly into the trap. It offsets and goes into the trap at a later point. That's a running trap, okay? And this is sort of a running trap. It's definitely a running trap. It's just not a long running trap. So here's what I did. The uh, tailpiece on the left connects into a 90 moves over to a TY on the right. The TY on the right takes the second compartment of the double compartment sink, and then it runs into a fitting 90 that goes into the trap. Now, I had to design the trap, I had to maneuver it so that it was as close to the wall as possible, because we had to go in behind, behind the leg, you know what I'm saying? So, a couple of things you gotta know, this is a union trap. You have to crank this bad boy Plus, these two basket strainers, these two tailpieces, and these two uh, trap adapters before getting the grease interceptor in. And what I mean by crank is, is that the moment the grease interceptor is in, you're not going to be able to go back there and tighten these things. These need to be cranked and tightened right now as soon as you're installing it because you're not going to see it for a few years if you do this correctly. If you don't do it correctly, you're going to get a saza and start cutting everything. New grease interceptor is brought into the building. Okay, so I designed the trap so it goes right up against the wall. And then I had to put the, the vent, which is an anti-siphon vent, to the trap itself. It protects the trap. It also helps the drain flow uh, with air. Okay, so that's what you're seeing up here. There's a TY immediately after the trap, and it is going up into a fitting 90 and going into another 90, which is the vent on the on the trap, the vent for the trap. Okay, let's keep going. Now, what you're seeing here is the monstrosity of a grease interceptor that this thing is. And what you're seeing here is that you're seeing basically the two basket strainers that I just showed you now behind the grease interceptor, and you're seeing the vent go into the right. On the left-hand side of the grease interceptor is the outlet of the interceptor, and there's a couple of things you got to notice, okay? The first thing is, is that it is a TY on the outlet of the interceptor, and we did this strategically because on the outlet of the interceptor, you need a clean-out, now, this can manifest as an end cleanout or a line cleanout. We opted for a line clean, uh, end cleanout. Sorry, that's why we put in a TY. So, what you're seeing on the end of this thing is actually a cleanout. What you can do now is take a pair of pliers and you can take out this cap. It's actually a cap that threads in. You could take this out, you could throw a snake in and clean out the three inch pipe that it goes into. Okay, so this is the one side of the grease interceptor, this is the outlet. Let's go to the right now. Now, this is where the magic took place. This is where all the frustration and all the language that no Christian should use was being used, okay? I was saying things no father should hear me say. <laughs> and my father was there while I was saying it, okay? And he understood. 
Because if he was under there, he'd be saying the same thing, probably in his Greek slash Russian accent. And that's basically the game plan, fam. Let me tell you what happened. So, you're seeing a bunch of intricate plumbing going on here that was absolutely frustrating and absolutely irritating. Get done. So, you remember. You remember earlier in the picture. Let me show you. You remember earlier how I did this trap right here, okay? So this, this trap comes out, the vent goes up, and then on the other side, on the outlet of the TY to the vent, I have to run a pipe super, super far, okay? I have to run it all the way to this point right here. And as you will notice, if you look over at this laundry tub right here, this laundry tub has an offset <laughs> In order to account for the grease interceptor, we had to put 245s on the laundry tub so that we can get around the grease interceptor inlet because there was just so much bloody pipe that was required not only to maneuver around the legs of the double compartment sink that we're installing it under, but we had to then start maneuvering around the stupid laundry tub that was next to it. I'm telling you, man, this was tight fitting and it's always this bad when you're dealing with interceptors, man. Okay, so I ran this bad boy all the way here and then I had to throw in a 90 into another 90 that goes into this clean-out right here. And then immediately after the clean-out, you got another fitting 90 that runs to the second vent, of the, which is the vent to protect the interceptor. Sorry. It's the vent to allow for significant flow into the interceptor because here's what you got to remember. The grease interceptor is designed in a way where it has a flow control plate. This flow control plate is literally... Right right in this area, it is actually this clean-out right here that has a flow control plate. And what that basically means is that it comes down into a really small diameter, even though it's 3-inch. comes down into a really small diameter, and it does that because the job of the grease interceptor is to keep as much grease as possible. Now, here's the thing, though, peeps. If you've got a significant velocity on the grease and water mixture coming in and going out, you're not going to have time for the grease to separate from the water, which is why when you take soup and you leave it on the table and you walk away to go get something, you come back and you can see the little oil spots on the top. You need it to separate. But if you stir that bad boy and you drink it down, you're not going to be able to see it quickly. So that's what the flow control plate is. That's what it does. And it's there, and that's why you need two of those vents because especially with grease interceptors, they're designed to slow down this flow, but you got to make sure it's got enough air to still keep going, right? So it was a significant, difficult fixture for us to get. And I know what you're thinking. Those of you that are hardcore plumbers, those of you that are sticklers for code will look at me and go, Kenny... You shouldn't be using 290s if you could use 245s, to which I say to you, bro, you had to be there, man. It wasn't easy. 
It wasn't easy at all, and 245s would have went straight into the leg. I promise you, I initially decided to go 245s, which you're supposed to do rather than go 90. But it was going right into the leg, and unless I modified the leg of this silly little uh, laundry tub, it would have looked super awkward, super weird. And honestly, the angle was not there for it, unfortunately. It was not there for it. Now, here's the thing. I got a question for you peeps out there. I don't know if you could answer it for me, but if you're listening and you want to shoot me a message, let me know down in the comments below. Here's my question to you. You are allowed a total of 120, no, 135 degrees of turn before you get to your protecting trap. That's the rule in plumbing for fixtures that are sinks. You're allowed 135 degrees of fixtures before you get to your protecting trap. Now, here's my question for you. As you saw with this grease interceptor, it gets to the trap immediately. Immediately. And after that, it does 180 degrees of turn. And then it gets to another vent. So my question to you is, is this legal? Are you allowed to do this as a plumber? Because I still, in the back of my head, don't know. Every time I encounter a grease interceptor and I have to do something like this, I think to myself, look... It's already at its protecting trap, so I can add more twists and turns if I want to. And then I put it together like this, and I think to myself, yeah, that's right. And look, I got to be honest, the inspector passed it. So I assume either the inspector missed it or the inspector looked at it and said, yeah, we're good to go. Keep going. So let me go one more uh, one more picture. I want, to, I want to show you the outlet of the interceptor. This is the bad boy right here, and this is the cleanout I'm talking about. This is the end cleanout, okay? So these are two separate pieces. This is a TY that's three inch, and then this is a three inch end cleanout. You have to glue these together, right? That's the best part about these plastic pipes. You have to glue these together. And once you glue them together, this functions right here. You have, you see how it has a little knob? We're talking about the end cleanout. This is the cap to the end cleanout. So you can thread it in to the right, you close it, to the left, you open it. It's got a rubber seal on the end of it. And all you have to do is take it out and you got to start snaking if that's what you need to do. And that goes into a three inch 45 in there, which goes into a three inch drain. As I showed you guys in this picture right here, this is what's happening behind the wall. All these go above flood level rim and we are talking about plumbing magic. That, my friends, was my experience with the Grease Interceptor this week. Do I love it or do I hate it? Well, the answer is, is that I have a lot of fun doing it because I'm skilled enough to be able to anticipate the issues I dealt with last time, right? That's the fun part about doing plumbing over and over again. You think to yourself, okay, what did I suck at last week? Oh, you know what I sucked at? I sucked at this. Okay, let me try to offset this. Let's try to do something a bit different. So this one, the the blessing that I had about this grease interceptor was I had the grease interceptor and the double compartment sink before I roughed in the fixture. So, so... I was able to take the sink and put it up against the wall. I was able to take the grease interceptor and put it underneath the sink. And then I was able to mark on these walls back here where my pipes were going to be for an optimal installation. And I want to tell you right now two things. Number one, it helped a whole ton. It helped a lot. It made this grease interceptor faster than the ones I've ever installed. However, 
like I was telling you, you can't fully know exactly where the grease interceptor is going to connect in because you still got to put the, the parts on the left and the right side. Then you got to start guessing to a degree just to get the rough in, right? Rough and done. You can't fully know or else you're going to start having to glue pieces together. And that's always a big no-no because a lot of times when you glue stuff too early, you don't realize that there are certain issues that you had to anticipate. Then you got to throw out three-inch fittings and they're expensive. Three-inch PVC fittings, you're looking at like 25, 30 bucks a fitting sort of thing, right? So there's only so much as you can do. So even though this was one of the easier installations, it was still a nightmare. Do I love them? Yes, because they're a lot of fun. I don't see them a lot, and I like the challenge. Do I hate them? Yes, because there isn't a fight out there like a fight with a grease interceptor. <laughs> this thing is coming for skin, peeps. It's ready to go. It's dangerous. It's Ken Shamrock versus Hoist Gracie way back when when uh ufc first started that's what this fight is all right and i don't know which one i am i know my name's ken but maybe i'm hoist gracie maybe i'm just choking choking peeps out you know what i'm saying i don't even watch ufc that much anymore to be honest so never mind that reference okay if you don't know what i'm talking about i hear you it's ken versus ryu in street fighter now you're probably going bro why do you keep on bringing up ken references are you a narcissist take it easy with the name calling thank you <laughs> okay sorry let's keep going i want to show you what else we did pedestal sink that's right do you guys like this fixture i don't do a lot of them gotta be honest Every time I've ever had to um, do a repair on one, I've hated them because it's super hard to get your wrench back there to get the trap off because the pipe is, the, the trap is right behind the pedestal. So it's like, why, why are we doing this? Like, this is crazy. But at the same time, they come out looking real, real nice. So I was given this pedestal sink to install, and this is the game plan that I went through. So what you're seeing here on the left is a toilet. Just ignore that. It was already installed when I got there. Here's the tools that I needed. And these aren't all the tools. These were only the ones I got just for the initial parts of the installation. So what you see right here is a, a ratchet. This ratchet has a very specific tool on it. I don't even know what it's called, but this holds supply lines and it tightens or it loosens supply lines. It's a dream. I only found it at Lowe's, I think, or was it Rona? One or the other. Really useful tool. Actually, if Josh McFate is watching, Josh, you asked me about this tool. Rona or Lowe's? I'm pretty sure it, uh, it might have been Rona. might have been Rona, but super useful tool. Okay. Then you have above T-tape. Teflon tape, what we plumbers use. And actually, when I did a um, podcast about harmful building devices, Teflon tape was actually not good for us. I don't know. I like to not think about it if it's bad for me and I have to use it. You know what I'm saying? So we also have some dope over here. Dope is what we use. Two different things, two different theories. One theory is is dope uses, is used as a sealant. The other theory I've heard is dope is used to make sure that two metals do not seize on one another. Either way, we use it. I find that it helps with leaks, and it also helps with the seizing part. So it does both for me. Above here, we have some plumber's putty. I have here an adjustable wrench, and then I have my trusty little ratchet screwdriver because I'm a boss like that. 
I got my torque driver. I got my drill. I got some strapping over here. I got two drill bits and I do have a pair of snips for um, the strapping that I have up here. Quick digression though. I bought a rigid um, drill, not drill, sorry. I bought a rigid drill kit with all the different size drills. I broke two of those bits within the first week. Really, really unhappy about that. These are two different, uh, these are two bits from that same uh, kit itself. These guys are okay, but I don't know, man. They just snapped on me, and now I, I'm two bits short, which is what I was when I initially got into Home Depot and bought them. So I was like a little bit cheesed. If I had the, um, if I had the receipt, I would have taken them back, but I don't have the receipt. So this is the end result of uh, the pedestal sink. I know I should have put some uh, some pictures of pipes in here, but I didn't for some reason. Here's basically what I want to let you know. Okay, so behind here you got you got a trap, right? And then the trap immediately fits into a fitting 45, and then I run it across into here into a 90 which is the exact amount of turn you're allowed to do before you get to your protect, prote protecting uh, uh, vent. And that's how I ran this pipe, basically. Um, it was a little bit difficult because I initially thought I was going to run it up against the wall, which made me put in a few more 45s. But as soon as I did that, uh, it threw off the number. Like, uh, you're only allowed... Like I said, a 90 and a 45 or a 90 and 222s or uh, 222s and a 45. No, no, 222s or 45 and another 222s or something like that. So um, it was a little bit difficult, but turned out real nice. I, I do like the way they look, to be honest. I, as a plumber, though, I just know how difficult it is to get behind them, which is why I'm not a big fan of pedestal sinks. So if somebody came to my house, if my wife showed up at the door with a pedestal sink, I'd look at her like, what do you want to do with that? Because I ain't coming in here. You might as well give it to a neighbor or something like that. Um, because I want to get, I want to access things pretty easy. But I know when it comes to fashion, Fashion and practicality don't always go hand in hand. Um, and if they do, it's called minimalistic, I think, or something like that. So that's just something to keep in mind. Don't do a lot of these, but I had a lot of fun. Oh, one thing I got to note, though. What's your theory on caulking? Because I caulked this bad boy in a few different places. I caulked this bad boy behind it right here, behind the faucet. I caulked this bad boy around the base of the pedestal. And then I caulked this bad boy between the pedestal and the bowl right here. So uh, do you guys do that much? Or do you do less or more or whatnot? Or let's see. Last job of the week. Got to tell you guys about this uber irritating, uber difficult spot to get into now i'm gonna bring up something controversial to the plumbing community and i just want to bring it out there and i'll find out what you guys think shark bites how do you feel you for them you against them you think they're hell on earth you think they're a blessing from god what what do you feel about the shark bites in the plumbing industry because i'll tell you right now 
wasn't a big fan, but now Kenny Molotov's all for the shock bites. The shock bites are a very important thing, in my opinion. And I'll tell you exactly why they're an important thing for two reasons. Number one, there are certain spots that you're going to get into where you're going to have no choice but to put in a shark bite or put in some sort of uh, compression coupling. A couple of instances where that happens is, is when water is in the pipe that you can't stop. From time to time, you're going to meet a valve that for whatever reason has deteriorated and a very tiny little drip is going to be going through this pipe, which will irritatingly not allow you to solder or you're going to have to do some hocus pocus, throw in some uh, plumber's bread and hope that you didn't clog it on your own or whatnot. I've never used bread before in my life other than for making sandwiches. So I've never used it during a plumbing installation, but that's what some people opt to do. So in a situation like that, soldering is super difficult, like I was saying. There are also some tools on the market that you can throw into the pipe as you're soldering, throw in a valve so that um, it will stop the water from getting to you enough, long enough so that you can solder the valve on the one side, pull it out, pull out this little device, and then close the valve and then continue soldering soldering from the close side of the valve. That's one thing to do as well. But every once in a while, bro, I think to myself, you know what would be so easy? If there was like this device out there where if you had a cut pipe that was dripping ever so lightly that you could just slide onto the pipe and then you walk away. And you know what? God, uh, answered our prayers as plumbers. He said, bro, I'm going to make some clever guy or gal. I don't know who invented the shark bite. You know what? Why don't we do that later? Where did the shark bite come from? That's what we're going to look up after this, okay? On this podcast, just off the top of my head, that's what we're going to do. Somebody invented this thing, which basically comes onto a pipe and, and locks onto the pipe. Water seals onto the pipe. And this is uh, a manifestation of us using it, okay? This was one way we did it. Now, look. You see this hole right here? Well, this hole was much smaller before. But there's a valve right here that you're looking at. These are two laundry valves. Um, no, they're not laundry valves. They're, they're line valves. But they're the ones that you have to rotate to the right to close, open to the left sort of thing. Uh, I think they're Emco. Not sure. Take a look. Oh, no, no, no. I went too far. Don't look. Okay. I had to cut a bunch of drywall to get to these valves. And you see this wire right here? Yeah, that's electrical. You got to be careful, man. Anytime you're using a sawzall, make sure you don't go too deep. And that won't even guarantee it. But what you're looking at here is two valves that don't shut correctly. And then on top of that, this house, I got to say right off the bat, had a main that did not shut fully either. So... We were very lucky to be able to do this repair because initially when I had turned it off the water, there was so much of a stream of water that I was like, there's no way I'm opening up uh, any either of these pipes because we're just going to have water pour on my face while I'm trying to put this together. So eventually after draining the whole house, we came to realize, okay, it wasn't as bad as I initially thought. It was dripping but it wasn't a full stream of water. So we have to replace these two valves. These two valves go out into the garage of the house. Now, what are they doing in the garage? This is hot and cold. Why is hot going into the garage? I'll tell you. 
there's a laundry tub outside in the garage. Now you're looking at me like, okay, that's cool. So it's like a heated garage. Nope. No peeps, no heated garage. It is a regular garage that takes on all the cold that's outside. So what they've noticed in the past is that these valves and these pipes, they end up freezing. (laughs) So they don't want anything to burst. They called us in and they said, okay, we want to be able to shut this water off. And now's the season because we had a big snow day the other day. So can you come in and, and give us a couple of valves that will do that job for us. So we're like, yeah, sure, no problem. We come there. The main doesn't shut fully. This is what we see. I turned to my dad. I said, shark bite. He goes, you think? I said, yeah, man. Because of that water coming in, we can't guarantee that the drip won't stop happening while we're soldering. So, And it's above our head, by the way. So soldering above your head is always difficult. Uh, just for accessibility issues also you got to be super careful to make sure that you wear eye protection because that solder is going to fall on you um if the solder is going to fall it's going to fall right on top of you so you got to be careful most of the scars i have from soldering are from something being above me so it's from a joint that i soldered that was above me so i said to him look look how easy it would be And it would still be difficult, but look how much easier it would be just to get a couple of shark bites and put them on. Now, they have shark bite valves that you can buy. We didn't have any shark bite valves. And I'm not sure if they have shark bite valves that are both ended. So like a valve like this. In other words, I don't know if there's a valve out there that's a shark bite where you put one pipe into it and another pipe into it. I do know 100%. They have shark bite R14s, which are valves that um, face upwards, and then we have shark bite R19s. They both sort of face upwards. Uh, a toilet valve, more often than not, is an R19, the way it's designed, so that um, it looks like this. You have um, the valve body looking like this, then you have the lever that turns, and then you have your 3 8 threaded uh, piece right up here. An R14 is the opposite way. It actually faces upwards like this. You have to put the pipe upwards and then you have your lever on the side to shut it, uh, turn it on and turn it off. So I definitely know those are on the market. I have them in the truck for safety reasons. Like I said, in a tight space where there's water and a little drip, those are just the fastest, easiest way to get this done. So Dad goes, I don't have any valves that are like the ones that we uh, want. But what I do have is um, he has shark bite. No, no, he has two ball valves, normal. What we can do is solder two pieces on each side, two short nipples on each side, and then put shark bite couplings on top of it. And that, my friends, is exactly what we did. If you take a look here, we have two uh, valves that are ball valves. I soldered two small pieces on each side. They were about two inches each side. And then what you're looking at is a shark bite coupling. So it'll go over the copper and then it'll also go over the pecs, which is what the beautiful part is about these shark bite valves. They don't discriminate against uh, material. It'll be either a pex pipe or it'll be a copper pipe. It's good to go as long as it's half inch. It goes in tightens and you're good to go and what you're seeing here uh, these tiny little knobs here these are designed for um, hose bips essentially hose bips that are outside some people call them taps that are outside 
in the winter here in Canada, it freezes, right? Sometimes we get uh, really, really uh, low temperatures, like minus 40 degrees Celsius. What you'll notice is, though, if you shut these off, you need to drain that water from inside the tap, that section of tap that goes outside. If you do that, you're not going to have a burst pipe come summer or come fall. Uh, yeah, come spring, I should say. So what we do here is we shut these bad boys. You open this knob right here. You drain out the rest of the water that's inside that pipe right there, and then you're good to go. It's a winterized tap. That's what we do in the winter here. Now, here's the thing that you got to remember, though. You got to make sure that this little threaded piece, which opens up and drains the pipe, is on the correct side. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because if we put it in the opposite direction so that this top piece is the bottom piece and vice versa, then this little knob right here is on the active side of the pipe. So it's inside the house and it's still taking on water continuously. So that's just one thing to keep in mind that you have to do in order to ensure that uh, you're going to be able to actually drain that pipe because if you do it incorrectly, you got to take it out. Then you got to solder it again and blah, blah, blah. So that's something to keep in mind. Let's look up shark bites. I think that would be a swell conversation. Plumbing. Sharkbite.com, my man. Let's look it up. All right, products, new products, buy system, uh, buy application, buy market resources, about, about Sharkbite. Yeah, let's do it, man. I want to know. All right, so we're on Sharkbite.com right here. We're going to be talking about what Sharkbite is. Sharkbite is a provider of plumbing and water control systems for domestic, commercial, and industrial applications. Oh, by the way, if you've ever worked on Victolic uh, fittings. Apparently, there's a shark bite version of that, but we'll get into it. As a world leader and hallmark of push to connect plumbing solutions, our goal is to continue innovating the plumbing trade with new solutions that improve efficiency and performance trusted by plumbing professionals. Sharkbite manufactures a wide range of plumbing fittings, water control valves, and PEX pipe, making it the only total plumbing solution from meter to fixture. Fancy. Plumbing is a trade that requires skill and pride. Yeah, gotta be damn sure. I mean, what what should I have said? You better believe it. <laughs> That's what I should have said. Um, and the plumbing system is one of the most critical components in residential homes. Oh, I'll, I'll take that too. Heating's important in Canada, you know what I'm saying. Multifamily dwellings and commercial buildings. As plumbing systems have evolved, Sharkbite has been at the forefront of revolutionizing the industry. We strive to innovate efficient plumbing solutions and improve performance. Where'd you go? And improve performance and save time when installing new systems or making repairs. I got to give that to them. They absolutely save time. That's why we opted to do this job with... Um, Shark bites. It's just way faster. We believe it is our unwavering commitment to innovating new solutions for optimizing efficiency and reliability that makes Sharkbite a pioneer and the hallmark of push to connect plumbing solutions for plumbing professionals. Our quality. As a pioneer of push to connect, we're continuing to invest in world-class technology for helping the plumbing trade find new ways to be to work more efficient. 
Sharkbite products are certified to industry standards and field proven with more than 1.5 million connections made every week. How do they prove that? You can say 1.5 million sales every week, but I don't know. As the market leader and more than 15 years of manufacturing push to connect products. So they're old, 15 years old. Research proves our unparalleled quality and performance. We use strict processes and testing for manufacturing, ensuring that Sharkbite products provide reliable leak-free connections. Yes, sir. Whether you need to repair a broken pipe or plumb a whole house, Sharkbite fittings are the push-to-connect solution for leak-free results. Sharkbite Connection Center improves job site efficiency by daily faster installations, minimizing lost time on the job. Our proven system includes a wide range of push-to-connect plumbing fittings, water control valves, and PEX pipes. Sharkbite is your tested, proven, certified connection system. Okay. Lead-free. Oh... These are interesting. Okay, so why Sharkbite? Spend any amount of time working with plumbing fittings and you'll see why Sharkbite is the most trusted name in our industry. Spend any amount of time working with plumbing fittings and you'll see why Sharkbite is the most trusted name in the industry. Our Australian-made fittings, an Australian company that is, uh, made with only the highest quality materials such as EPDM, rubber, 316 stainless steel and lead-free DZR brass, all of which have been carefully tested and certified for behind-the-wall and underground applications. Our foundation of strong corrosive-resistant material combined with our automated facilities that ensure every Sharkbite fitting exceeds standards are just a couple of reasons you'll choose Sharkbite fittings. Let's read some features they have, though. If you ask longtime customers why Sharkbite, they'll tell you they uh, will tell you they value a instant push fit connections increasing ease of use next soldering no soldering clamps unions or glue required fitting certified to 200 psi and 200 degrees fahrenheit which is 93 degrees celsius that's hot boy fits copper tubing and cts cpvc and pex and connects all three types in any combination that's a big one integral tube liner for pex installation to ensure a secure reliable connection compact robust dzr brass body foundation of a strong corrosive resistant durable fitting design certified to ansi nsf 61 and asse 1061 product standard for use in potable water and hydronic heating water distribution it's a lot of good stuff to have a couple of the features that dad and i love you can put them on any pipe like they were saying um and they're super fast super um reliable i knock on wood only found one shark bite uh and it was a cap that actually had an issue with it where it didn't hold and i'm almost 98 percent sure it's because i installed it incorrectly this was years ago so don't hold me to it okay lead free hassle free the reduction of lead safe water drinking act went into effect january 2014 we can read more about that eh Let's see that. Congress enacted the Reduction of Lead in Drinking Water Act on January 4, 2011 to amend Section 1417 of the Safe Drinking Water Act regarding the use and introduction into commerce of lead pipes, plumbing fittings or fixtures, solder and flux. The act's, 
The act established a prospective effective date of January 4, 2014. On August 16, 2012, the EPA held a public webinar with external stakeholders to discuss the reduction of lead in drinking water act and the potential ramifications that this change of legislation may have. The EPA subsequently released a document intended to help the public understand the statutory requirement and further stating that it intends to further clarify and refine these and other issues related to these provisions in future rulemaking. Okay, that's interesting to know. I assume this is in California, sorry, in Australia. So, Reduction of Lead Safe Water Drinking Act went into effect January 2014. Since 2012, October, Sharkbite has been shipped, shipping all lead-free products in anticipation of the act. All lead-free Sharkbite products are marked by a symbol to differentiate between standard and lead-free material. So, there was a lead version of the Sharkbite at some point. All Sharkbite Double XL large diameter fittings have been lead free since their launch in February 2011. Sharkbite PEX slash bar products are made safe from lead free DZR brass. Really interesting. So here in Canada, at least in Ontario, because I'm learning the Ontario Plumbing Code Book, you're not allowed to put, you're not even allowed to technically cap uh, a valve with lead. Because a lot of times, plumbers, what they used to do is they would solder a valve. And because lead has a melting point that's uh, less than zinc, um, it's really easy to cap it. You could actually build up the solder around it um, just to be extra safe with valves. And you're not even allowed to do that now. The total plumbing solution done right works on a wide range of pipes. Look for the shark. Install in seconds. Yeah, man, I'm telling you. They are super uber easy. What happened? Where are we at? Quality. That was quality. Let's go to warranty. All right. You understand what impact even the smallest error in installation can cause. You take your job seriously and follow the local, state, and federal requirements to a T. When installing Sharpite products, you follow all the plumbing, heating, and mechanical codes as well as our guidelines. We think you should be rewarded for that. That's why Sharkbite offers a warranty of 25 years. No way. Download a PDF of Sharkbite warranty, then install with confidence. 25 years? These guys, eh? What does this warranty cover? What are the conditions of the warrant? Guys, this document is too big. I can't go through this document. I'm already telling you right now. I'm not able to do this right now. Subject to conditions outlined in the statement in U.S., Reliance Worldwide Corporation, and in Canada, warrants to owners of real property in the United States, Canada, Sharpright, and Cash Acme products. When used and installed in accordance with the requirements set forth, shall be free from defects in materials and workmanship for the applicable warranty period. This limited warranty is in effect for installations made of after January 1st, 2018. Oh, okay, that passed. And is applicable to products installation in the country in which they were purchased. Proof of purchase is required. So there is a warranty up to 25 years but what is the warranty you get a new shark bite if it doesn't last 25 years or do you fix the flood shark bite company 
All products must be installed in accordance. The install must use construction techniques compliant. Products must at all times be used in a manner consistent. Additional product specific conditions. How long does a limited warranty cover? Last, and what other uh, specific conditions exist for each product? Uh, this is a lot of um, lawyer jargon. Yeah, this is a lot of lawyer jargon. Uh, jargon. What does it not cover? Not be responsible for any other incidents, indirect, contingent, special, or consequential damage, including without limitation, economic loss, lost profits, or the cost of repairing or replacing other property which is damaged. All right. That says it all. They're basically saying to you, look, if your shark bite fails within the next 25 years, if it was installed correctly and that whole litany of different uh, specifications that they needed, then they'll provide you a new shark bite. <laughs> but the damage that happened, bro, that's on your own, fam. That's what you got to do. So that's good to know uh, that they have a warranty for the part, I guess. So, so that was interesting, eh? They, they've been around for a while, really long time. Let's see if I can uh, do a quick shirt search, shark bite plumbing. I wonder if there's a Wikipedia page where we can get a, uh, just like an overview of, of when the company came into being. Yeah, that's it. All right, push to pull compression. Push to pull or push to connect, push in, push fit, or instant fittings are a type of easily removed compression fitting or quick connect fitting that allows an air or water line to be attached nominally without the use of tools. A tool is still usually required for cutting tubing to length and removal. These fittings act similarly similar to the way regular compression fittings work, but use a resilient O-ring for sealing and a grip ring to hold the possible groove tube in place. While with metal tubing, a groove is needed to hold the tubing in place. With PTFE tubing, the tube deforms around the grip ring. Okay, let's go back. Um, I guess it doesn't have anything else. Alrighty, peeps. Well, that's some interesting stuff. They said that they opened up about 15 years ago. It's when Sharkbite itself started doing it. I wonder if there was uh, other Sharkbite solutions, meaning a version of the Sharkbite that's not Sharkbite itself, or were they the innovators of the technology themselves? Who knows? Um, that's something that would be interesting to find out. So if you guys know anything about this, you guys let me know down in the comments below. It's something I'll definitely like to read up on and look up. And peeps, that was the podcast, man. That was a whole week of plumbing. I hope you guys enjoyed. Like, subscribe, let people know about this podcast itself. Um, let me know what you guys think about um, all the shark bite stuff. Let me know what you think about uh, uh, the degrees of turn that we were talking about earlier. My name is Kenny Molotov. I'm a plumbing YouTuber, magician, uh, musician, I should say as well. And uh, that's basically it. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. And I'll see you guys very soon. Kenny Molotov, guys. Peace, baby.